Hi, I'm Dr. Jillian Murphy, a naturopath, healthy-ish lifestyle architect, body joy seeker, and French fry activist. And you're listening to 100% healthy-ish. Here's the thing. As a naturopath and an intuitive eating health at every size health coach, I have seen every angle and end of the health conversation. And after years of clinical and coaching experience, I've developed a framework for feeling good and having fun that I know you're gonna love. To be healthy-ish, we move beyond the boring basics and consider some ish you have never thought of before when it comes to your health. Are you ready? It's gonna be fun. Let's go. Welcome back. Today, I am talking with a friend and a naturopath who I've known for a really, really, really long time, um, over 20 years, I think, at this point. And we are going to talk about somato-emotional release and how it's such an important fundamental piece of our health, managing, processing emotions, not just in our brains, but also in our bodies. And we're also going to talk a little bit about naturopathic medicine and where it's really contributing to overall health and well-being and also where it's missing the mark, which I think is an interesting thing to talk about because naturopathic medicine is obviously the foundation of all of my training. And yet I obviously found lots of holes in it as I went out into the world and began to practice. And my journey has been about filling in those holes, filling in those pieces figuring things out for myself. And so I always find it really fun and interesting when I get to talk with another naturopath who's been on a similar journey. Last week, I talked with Lisa Lavoie, who's an ND, who found some holes in naturopathic medicine. And today I'm talking with Shalna. Shalna is an Alberta licensed naturopathic doctor whose passion is working with women in midlife who want to harness their hormones so that they can feel calm, not only in their bodies, but in their minds as well. She is, <laughs> this is from Shalna, fueled by leafy greens and coffee. You can find her at Kale and Coffee on Instagram. And she aspires to show up daily in a way that inspires other women to sit in the driver's seat of their own health journey, feeling empowered and intuitively connected to self. Her newest venture involves assisting women worldwide to once and for all let go of emotional baggage that contributes to dis-ease or disease, allowing them to show up as the best versions of themselves in midlife and beyond for a full life of radiance, connectedness, and joy, which is obviously 100% in line with the journey that I'm on. So today I'm talking with Shauna. I will say I recorded this episode probably at the end of October or early November, and I was still really forming healthy-ish and the offers that I'm going to put out into the world, which are getting closer and closer to being ready. But at this time it was quite new. And so at one point in the episode, I actually stop her and I'm like, wait a minute, you have to be an expert collaborator. I'm thinking about bringing people in to work with those who sign on to do this healthy-ish work. Like essentially what I'm doing is working to craft an incredibly customized tailored blueprint, like one you've never seen before. And then pulling in a team of expert collaborators so that not only will you work with me if you sign on to figure out your healthiest blueprint, but you'll work with others in whatever areas you most need. So it could be around hormones or it could be around clothes or it could be around getting your fridge organized so that you can actually eat those foods that you intuitively want to eat. Or it could be releasing some 
emotional baggage and doing some of this somato emotional release that we talk about today. So I like literally stopped Shalna in the in, in, at near the end of the episode and I'm like, I'm thinking about doing this. Would you want to be part of this? And she <laughs> kind of signs on in real time. And since then, we've formalized all of that. So Shalna is absolutely going to be one of the expert collaborators that you have access to when you sign on to work with me. Um, I'm really proud of this. I'm really, really, really deeply proud of the fact that every person that you will have access to is highly trained and incredibly well-equipped to deal with not only you know the anti-diet, body-positive side of things, but they're also incredibly well-trained in their specific areas and are just going to give you the most incredible experience, you know, regardless of who you choose to work with. So, you know, again, the healthiest offers aren't quite ready to go, but they'll be coming out in the next week or two. And I'll be fully filling you in on what it looks like to work with me through 2023 and beyond. And it's going to be this super luxurious, high level, customized concierge health experience where we're really just stripping away all the things that aren't serving you. We're cleaning up the areas of your life that are draining you and creating this beautiful plan for moving forward that feels fun and exciting and inspiring and enjoyable to live. So stay tuned for that. And for now, let's just get into the convo with, with Shalna. Hey, I'm here with Shalna today. Shalna is a friend from naturopathic school and our I would say our paths, our trajectories, our our like journeys in health have like been really different, but also simultaneously really parallel. And Shalna recently moved back to my area. We're not like really close, but she moved back. And um, I just, it's, I thought it'd be so fun to connect. I want to hear about what you're doing, Shalna, but I also want us to have a nice conversation at some point today about naturopathic medicine and like where it's hitting and where it's not hitting when it comes to health overall, like where we see this, um, maybe where we agree and don't agree. I don't know, but, um, yeah. So, but why don't you just start us off by telling us like a little bit about who you are and the work you do and how you got here. Yeah. Thank you, Jill, for having me. I'm super excited. Um, yeah, so I'm a naturopathic doctor, like you mentioned. I am practicing currently in Alberta, so I don't have an Ontario license. I'm practicing with patients in Alberta only. Um, and I focus mainly on women in midlife who are really struggling with, you know, harnessing their hormones and getting that under control. So usually that involves sleep issues, fueling issues, like nourishing their body properly, moving optimally and stress management. So that's my main focus right now. I got into naturopathic medicine straight out of, oh gosh, high school. A guidance counselor presented it to me when I was going to go through to med school and be a cardiologist and said, Hey, do you want to do this? And I was like, Oh my gosh, to look at root cause medicine and look at health from a root cause perspective, like just had me at, at the get-go. So that's what I've been doing ever since. And I love it. We're 18 years in now, which is nuts in and of yeah, itself. It's wild. And it's wild. Yeah. yeah. So I have a virtual practice in Alberta, which is pretty awesome. And yeah, that was pre-COVID, which is, yeah. And for anyone yeah. listening, just like, I don't know, there's all kinds of with naturopathic medicine in Canada, particularly, there's a lot of legislation and like regulation. And so like I, for instance, only operate as a naturopath in Ontario. And so what Shalna is saying is she's licensed in Alberta. So this is where she sees people technically virtually, they have to all live in Alberta in order for her to treat. Right. Yep. Correct. Yeah. 
Yes. And so your, but your career, like you, so we are, we're, we're so far into our naturopathic careers. It's wild to think about. I feel like it was yesterday that we were sitting in classes together, but like your naturopathic trajectory, like your work is a little different, I would say, than most naturopathic doctors work or the way that it looks. So just talk to us a little bit about that. What does that look like? Yeah. So it's definitely evolved recently. And I love this part because usually I look at women's health and I always have from the perspective of like a big health puzzle and every woman's puzzle is different. The puzzle pieces fit together differently, but they all involve the main four that I just talked about. So like nourishing your body through food, moving optimally, stress management and sleep. And so those are the things that kind of, like I mentioned, go awry in midlife. But what I'd always spoke to women about, as I'm sure you do too, Jill, is that we can't hold on to emotion. We can't stuff emotion into our bodies. And Gabor Mate has that amazing book, you know, when the body says no, he speaks about it all the time. I'm sure you've read it. I'm sure maybe some of the listeners have read it. And it speaks about how when we stuff emotions down, they show up as physical symptoms in the body. But all I had to offer women was that knowledge, like to bring it into their conscious awareness. I didn't have any way to move that energy and move that emotion through for them. And so I prefer them out and it was fine for a time being. But what I've realized now post pandemic is that always pre pandemic, I was working with women to have them lift some of that emotional burden off their plate. And then during the pandemic, they were weighted down with even more. And now they're sitting with even more balls in the air of things to do and people they need to please and all of the things it's getting so weighty. So I had been looking for the last couple of years for something that I could bring into my practice to have that additional puzzle piece be this emotional release portion. And I finally was able to train in it this past spring. And so I'm working on that as being actually the major player, the biggest piece of the puzzle, sort of flipping the script and helping women release that emotional burden that tends to bubble up in midlife for us with anxiety and depression, different mood <clears throat> concerns going on. And that piece is what I'm working on first. And that allows the body to naturally reach a state of balance. So hormones can balance our cortisol levels that manage stress can balance our sex hormones, estrogen and progesterone can balance, as you know, and then that leads to less symptoms that the woman is experiencing. And then I can come in with more of a tailored plan as to like, these are some things you could work on for sleep. These are some things that we could work on to balance that teeter totter of estrogen and progesterone. And it's much less work and much less for the woman to do. And I feel like yeah. that from my perspective is lifting something off her plate and that feels really good. So I'm super excited to be doing that work. Well, I, okay. There's so many things in there that I love, but I'll say the first thing is that I totally agree with you. I think that like one of my biggest pet peeves with naturopathic medicine or like alternative medicine is like, yes, it's amazing. I'll always say it's empowering to take your health into your hands, but it can also become completely preoccupying and exhausting. And like the nonstop management of your own health is like, it just becomes another thing on that unending list of things for women to do that they can never quite get right. Right. And so, 100%. It's like, right. And so I feel like a really big piece of this healthy-ish work that I'm doing is about finding you know, that magical formula, you're sort of describing it like a puzzle, like that magical formula that allows women to feel really good in their lives and bodies. And, um, you know, a piece of it is figuring out how much time and energy they actually want to put into taking care of their health. And I guess that like, I think that, that so often there's just it, it, basically what I'm trying to say is 
if it's taking your whole day to manage your health, it's too much work. There's something else going on that needs to be like managed or dealt with, right? Yeah. Yes. I'm clapping over here because a hundred percent. And you see this in the health and wellness space. You see people posting, right? Cause social media is everywhere about everything they're doing every day for their health. And it's exhausting to watch them much less think about how I would have a woman that I work with be able to do all of that in the day. It's too much. It's and too those, much. Right. And half those people on Instagram <clears throat> also are like, that's their job is creating this content. They like, you know, I'll have women be like, well, I'm, I follow this woman and she's, she does this in the morning and this in the afternoon and this at night. And I'm like, right. But this is her job is creating this content or <laughs> showing this to you. You have a full-time job and three kids at home. You do not have the hours that this person has to put in. And, and I just want to say like, the one little caveat to that is obviously there are people who are dealing with things like, you know, really serious autoimmune disorders or cancer or things like that, where of course there are situations where your health takes over your life when it becomes really big and really all consuming. Um, that's not really what we're talking about here. We're talking about like that day-to-day, you know, wellness managing. I would say though, it even bleeds into managing things like blood pressure and diabetes and like, and, and, you know, um, cardiovascular health and menopause. And like, I think it does bleed into all of those health issues. I just want to make sure, you know, for sure there are some people out there whose, whose health concerns are taking over their lives, but for the most part, it shouldn't be this big. So I just want to say, I love that part that you talked about, like this idea of like, if you aren't responding to some gentle food and supplement movement work, there's something else happening that we need to talk about emotionally in your life, whatever it is. And then I love the emotional piece because I have talked about this for years, because one thing I discovered about myself early on, on my own health journey is that I'm very, the way I describe it is fascial. I I describe myself as very fascial. (laughs) And, and um, what I mean by that is, you know, we know that there's this fascia that's like kind of like saran wrap on the inside of our body that surrounds all our tissues. And we used to just think it was this like, you know, whatever connective tissue. And we now know that it's like deeply integrated with the nervous system and like our emotional system and our stress system. And like, for me, that's where all my stress goes. So I, on the outside, I can present, present as like, I have it all together and I'm managing and I'm keeping the balls in the air. And meanwhile, my fascial system is like twisting and hardening and drying out. And so a huge part of my own self-care over the years has been regular massage that really just targets my fascia dance, which is a form of movement that is like, it's like literally like, I just, I, it's like wringing out a towel you know? And for me, it's not water that's getting wrung out. It's stress and emotion that gets wrung out. And, you know, that's just me speaking personally, but I have brought that in to my practice and the body image and the intuitive eating and all of that work for years. Um, But I tend to refer people out, right? So I love that. I love that you're like integrating this into your practice, but I'm wondering if you could just Tell us what this looks like in practice. Mm, mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's deceptively simple. So to say it out loud is going to sound much less than actually what it is, but it's it's a facilitated dialogue, basically, where we tap into and it's virtual work, I should say, and we tap into the body's sensations. Like, how is the body, like body talk, 
I don't even actually really know that much about body talk, but we're definitely tapping into sensation and emotion. Um, events can come up, situations, relationships, relationships can come up. And then we go there, whatever the body wants us to know, we listen to that. And then I facilitate a dialogue around completing the stress response. So I think a lot of times we forget that in life, we can't necessarily act actualize on the things we want to do, right? We have events that happen in our lives that overwhelm our nervous system, that overwhelm our fascia, that cause it to be dense or to create these constrictions, as you were talking about. And we hold on to them as women. We just stuff them down and we keep going about our day. You know, I always think of the example of like the woman who has an argument with her spouse at night and you really want to have that conversation. Maybe you want to scream and yell. Maybe you want to push. Maybe you want to like I don't know, start to cry. And you can't because your kids are there and you need to put them to bed. There's other things to do. So you stuff it down. You think I'll talk with my spouse later. You get them to bed. You go to sleep. You wake up in the morning and you think like, I don't want to rehash that. I'm just going to leave it. Well, there's a little bit of emotion that you stuff down and are holding in the body. And so these events don't need to be huge traumas, the huge T's. They can be little T's that build up over time. And so what happens is we hold on to all of these when what we really need to do is release that, finish that stress response not necessarily of kicking and punching and, but saying the things that we wanted to say yeah, and possibly even punching, kicking, screaming, not necessarily with the person directly in front of us, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's primitive that our bodies want to go through that response so that we get that emotion and that energy out of the body. If you think of the I always think of like the bunny running from the cougar, from the tiger, right? And then the bunny runs. And if it gets caught, it just plays dead. It's using up so much energy to run from the tiger. And then the tiger grabs it and it just goes limp. It goes into that freeze response, which is the heightened level of our sympathetic nervous system, our fight or flight. And if the tiger is like, oh, this is bunny is dead and just drops it, it takes off again, right? There's all that energy that's been built up inside that bunny so it can take off again. And as soon as it feels clear from the stress, it shakes as it naturally wants to do. And then it goes back to grazing. And that's what our bodies naturally want to do as well. It, they want to complete that primitive cycle of being able to say what we need to say, being able to express emotion in whatever way is possible. And a lot of times we either don't know how or it's inappropriate. And so this facilitated dialogue takes you through completing that stress response uh, and moving that emotion. Yeah, through. and you're doing it through dialogue. Through dialogue, yep, yep. Mm -hmm. Eyes are closed, the person's mm -hmm. in front of me on screen and I'm just looking for their body cues. It's so, I love that you told that because I remember, and I've I think I've talked about it on the podcast before, but I definitely talk about it nonstop in one-on-one -on -one work. Um, I watched a video in like psych 101 and it was very similar. It was like a gazelle being chased and it was the same. It's like this very specific shaking pattern that happens with animals after they've been in stress. And when you think about it, it's like, you know, when we're in a stress response, our blood sugar goes up so we can fight or flee or freeze even sometimes, you know, and, and, and blood flow shifts and it moves away from our digestive system. And this shake response is very much shaking out all of that, all of that pent up blood sugar and, and hormone and, you know, and so I talk about that all the time. Yes. And so I love that you brought that up because it, when I read the book, I'm sure you read it burnout by the Nagoski sisters. They did such a great job, I think as well of describing this idea that 
you know, we, we may not get rid of all the stressors in our lives. In fact, we probably never will. And I think that that's been weirdly one of those, um, just like a weird external expectation, another expectation that's been placed on women. Like if you have too many stressors, that's like up to you to set the boundaries and say no and draw the lines. And sometimes it's like, I, okay, who am I going to choose between? Like I've got a partner and I've got children and maybe parents who need me or siblings or a career. Like I don't, I don't have to choose. And so, so much of what I talk about in my work is like, like cyclical or cyclical nature and how do we flow with cycles so we just take things on and then we have to move out of them and we can give attention into some spaces and then we have to pull it back to give it to other spaces but I think that this stress cycle is really important as well because if the stressors aren't going to go away which they aren't then what we need to do is to get better and better and better at processing the stress which is what you're describing exactly exactly yeah right right yeah. We have to complete that cycle. The stress is going to keep coming. The stressors are going to keep showing up, but we can actually keep ourselves relatively well if we stay in the process, if we process that out of our body. Exactly. And if our nervous system can come back to a balance, cannot be dysfunctional, it can be actually, you know, working for us. Then when we have to, when we're under heightened stress, we can do the things that we need to do. We're not so overwhelmed. Our body can do what it needs to do and then come back to that state of balance again. And I think when you're working on this emotional work, it's tonifying the, the nervous system in a way that I'm not sure many other therapies do. I know there's many somatic therapies out there. And I also realize that, you know, everything is nuanced. And so certain women are going to be attracted to certain thematic therapies. And I think that's important to note too, that it's not the be all end all, but it is a huge part of how I think we're going to be able to go forward post pandemic in a world that's just not going to stop coming at us. Right. Yeah. Like women are white knuckling it right now. My patients specifically, and they're waiting for like that break. And I'm like, I don't think the break is coming. But how can we, like you <laughs> yeah, said, I joked about that on Instagram know? last week, you know, every week I'm like, okay, well, this is just a really busy week. And then, you know, next week yeah. and then the, the next week comes Okay. Well, this is just a really busy week. And don't get me wrong. I am always, and I, and I encourage other women, like always in the process of culling, you know, like if there's really something in my life that I can cut down or or release expectation or, or simplify. Like, of course, of course I want to do that, but it just still keeps coming. You know, like I, I can't remember the last time I just had a normal work week that wasn't interrupted by kid sickness and PA days and holidays. And, and it's like, but I had this really deep, like, I think this is just life now. And I think I just have to learn how to work within life right now feeling right. and I think like last week or the week before. And there was something kind of peaceful actually about just accepting it and being like, you know, this is what it looks like. How do I mm -hmm. keep myself well within it? And how do I have a little fun with it while I'm in it? Right. Have compassion for the journey. Yeah. Really. Right. Like knowing it's going to happen. And yeah. And I speak with that. I speak to women about that all of the time. I think we definitely need to be able to take on what's coming at us, like these waves that come of busyness, or maybe we're in it all the time and you feel like you're getting hit by the wave over and over and over again. I think we really need to learn how to be our best in those situations. And processing emotions is huge because 
often the women that I'm talking with are speaking of frustrations and angers and sadness that they're carrying with them that is leading to the overwhelm. So when you're able to lift that off a little bit, that allows you to be more present when you're helping your child with their homework, let's say, or you're going out on a date night with your spouse. Even if you, if you create those times where you want to be present, but you can't be present because you're thinking about your health or you're worrying about what you said to a colleague at work that you're wishing you didn't say, like you, we need to have a place. There needs to be a space to release that emotion so that you can be more present, right? So you can get the things done that you want to get done and show up in the way that you want to show up. Okay. Here's an interesting question that just popped into my brain as you were talking. How would you, how do you feel this is different from say therapy, like traditional therapy? Yeah. So I have done a number of talk therapies in the past. I'm sure a lot of us have, Mm -hmm. that's what was available to us. And the way that it's different is it's not all, it's not cognitive. It's the body. It's the, what does the body need? And we're so cheering. I'm cheering because because I, again, I feel like, you know, whatever we're, we're speaking the same language. Cause I'll say to women all the time, there are just certain things that you can't think your way through. You have to like move it through. Right. Yes. Yes. And this drops you into the body. And a lot of women are like, I don't know how to connect with my body. And the great thing about somatic, this somatic emotional release technique is that I walk you through it. I tap you into it. And then once you're there, I help you stay there so that you can complete that stress response. And so it's just a beautiful, a beautiful therapy. And so then are women, then are you sending them away with like, here's something that you can do once a week or daily, or like, there's like small practices that they can continue to do either in between sessions with you or after their work with you to to sort of keep that, like, like tonify their nervous system as as exactly. And there are different things that I utilize. One of the main things that I utilize is scream therapy, which I love in my eating. So I, I I was just before we got on here, I was telling Shalna about some eating disorder work that I'm doing with the Kyla Fox center. And it's so interesting because we literally, we work together as a team. We're really cohesive. So I was working with, um, a woman last week and she recognized that there were We talk a lot about um, restrict binge purge with food, obviously, when it comes to eating disorders, but we also talk about how that shows up in our lives. Like if it's happening with food, it's happening in your life on some level. And so she was able in this really beautiful way to label some emotional responses that she was having as purge, purge feelings. So it wasn't with food, but it was about like that feeling of wanting to get out of her skin and like just Uh particularly wanting to like, like like wax things or shave things or like nothing was ever, you know, it was like not being clean enough, shower, cut hair, whatever. And it was very much like a purge symptom that she was experiencing because she was having all this emotion in her body that she didn't know how to manage or deal with. And you know, what's so amazing is it wasn't me. She and I worked through this in a session, but one of the other therapists that she worked with who saw her later that day said, you know, it would be great. Screaming would be so good for this. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, she's like, you need to scream this out, I think, you know? Well, I think a lot of, as women, we're, we're taught to be the good girl. We're taught to, you know, not say what's on our mind and like, keep, keep quiet. And even having ba- like good boundaries and, and things like that. How many of us ha- can say that we have like screamed out loud? 
And we all carry some level, I, I think, of righteous anger, of anger that, like for things that have happened to us or of anger from the day, frustrations from the day. And it's so interesting because I'll send a woman off and I'll say like, okay, you're going to scream every day. This takes can take like less than 10 seconds. Do it in a safe place. And we talk about those kind of um, parameters, but really like no, no pets, no children, no spouses around, and you're just going to scream and you don't even need to be angry to start to mobilize emotion. So it'll be interesting because women will be like, oh, I don't have anything to be really angry about. What well, once I started screaming every day, I could, you know, ball up that frustration with my colleague. I could ball up that, you know, anger that I had towards a relationship and scream it out. And it's just, it starts to move the energy in a way that we're not used to and tap into the body sensations that you feel when you're screaming. Some of us scream from our gut. Some of us scream from our throat. And it's interesting to hear your own voice if you've never screamed before. Yeah. So yeah, I love adding that in. <laughs> and, and I will say too, so Shalna, um, you know, we can talk about this after and, and I can always cut this out also, like, we'll see how you feel about, but like part of these new offerings that I'm making is really looking really holistically at a woman's life. So getting beyond, you know, food is a part of it movement is a part of it, you know, supplements are a part of it, but also like lifestyle and what are the things that sort of motivate and inspire and keep you energized and tapped in. And some of that is like beauty and clothes. And like, what does that look like to invite that back into our life in a really healthy way on our own terms? Um, but then there's also these like emotional components that we have to look at as well. And so part of these, um, this work that I'm, that I'm pulling together for women is crafting this like higher level blueprint, you know, and I'm bringing in just so, you know, like when someone comes to work with me, they're going to work with me, but I may also like have them work with like some of my colleagues, if it's around like redoing their closet. So they have clothes that feel good and look good on their body or, but I don't know, you and I should talk after, because I feel like it would be so great to have you involved. And like, I'm sure there are many women that are going to come into this work that I do who I could be like, I think you're going to need three sessions with Shauna or whatever that looks like to process this because it's so huge, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I would be happy to chat yeah. more about that. Okay. I think we absolutely should. Because I think yes. this kind of work has to be an option, you know, not every person will need it, but we'll probably every person could use it. But um <laughs> I just think something like this needs to be on offer for people as they put together, if you're going to put together any kind of like a high level, um, blueprint for health and wellness, I think learning how to process emotion has to be a part of it. Oh, I love that. And I, I totally agree. And I'm so, I feel so grateful to have come across this technique because I looked at so many prior to training in this one technique and I, they just didn't hit the mark. There was something missing. And I think I knew that, you know, when you mentioned talk therapy and how that's more cognitive, like in our minds, it always came back to being more in the mind and talking our way through it, but from a in our brain, as opposed to in our body. So this technique is so body focused. I just, yeah, love it. Okay. Let's shift gears just for a sec here. Um, mm -hmm. I just want to talk about naturopathic medicine. I would just love you're an ND. I'm an ND. I just want your feelings. Cause I have some feelings, which is why I switched into this, like health at every size intuitive eating work. But I'm just wondering, like, what are your feelings on like where naturopathic medicine is sort of I don't know what the words are, like contributing in a really positive way to overall health and well-being. And where is it sort of like missing the mark or actually maybe even muddling things up and making things more complicated and hard for people? 
Yeah, I think what I was really attracted to in becoming a naturopath still holds true. And I think this is what I love about naturopathic medicine is that it looks at the whole person. It's not like these little pieces, like if it's an organ, you see this doctor, if it's, you know, you know, different organ systems, you have to see different people. It's root cause medicine. So all your symptoms, you are not your symptoms. You are you and you're experiencing these symptoms and what is the root of that? And I think that still really um, appeals to me from like a naturopathic point of view. I don't know if you agree. Agree. Totally agree. Yes. Um, (laughs) Missing the mark. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like as I go through the profession in years, I feel like more and more I'm realizing that we are just, we don't know everything. And I knew that from the get-go, but I feel like there are so many other therapies and medicine evolves and we need to evolve. And so if that means that we need to bring in other therapies, if, if that means we need to widen our scope of practice, whatever that is to really be there for the patient, for the client, then I want to do that. And I think I was feeling stuck going forward and not knowing how to expand in a way that was really helping the client, helping the patient. Yeah. And so I feel like um, those things aren't necessarily taught to us. Mm-hmm. And so, and they evolve. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. No. Well, yeah. So same, same. The things that attracted me to naturopathic medicine, I still feel are so needed. Like just like the time that we take with people, like naturopaths spend time with people and we get to know them and we're looking at their whole, you know, their whole health. And I think for me, the few places where I think it misses the mark is that, you know, we believe that, that we have to look at the body as a whole and like environment and lifestyle um, but I think that therapeutically we get hyper-focused and myopically fixated on altering food and movement and bodies. So I think like, while we're saying it's holistic, I think in practice, it's actually a little bit myopic. Like it's a little mm. bit like, instead of like, me- instead of just like pharmaceutical drugs, we're just going to go in really hard with food restriction and supplements, you know, and, yeah. and, and without considering the greater context of many people's lives and what they're up against. I think that it can be fat phobic, which I think is a problem. I don't Mm -hmm. think it recognizes or appreciates body diversity to the extent that it should. And it was definitely not taught to us at all. I don't think. And then the one other thing is like, I think such a big part of what attracted me to naturopathic medicine was this trust in the body and the body's ability to heal itself (laughs) and be well and like lead the way, but continuing to go back to our brains that are filled with like, again, really restrictive, you know, kind of medical model thinking. um, I don't think we do trust the body enough. Like, I don't think we were taught how to trust the body. And so again, it's like, trust your body. Your body wants to be well, except like you can't trust it with food and you can't trust it with this and you have to come in and jump in. So I think like, I think the underlying philosophies, like you said, still really hold for me. Like, I think that that's all true. I just think it's the execution. And I think a lot of it is actually like what we're talking about here today, which is that like body trust and being able to tap into our bodies and get out of our brains that really have been like badly programmed with a lot of like misogynistic, patriarchal, capitalist, racist, like inappropriate frameworks Mm -hmm. for how things should be in our bodies and lives. Yep. 
and learning to trust ourselves. Like I love that distinction and you're, you're hundred percent right. I totally agree with you on that. We need to be able to trust our bodies again. And we're taught not to. So even though. Absolutely taught not to. It's so confusing though, for, for anybody who's coming into even our work and creating that distinction for them. Because I think a lot of people come to see a naturopath and they want that nutrition plan. They want that five supplements. They want the magic bullet, but from a naturopathic point of view, and it does not exist and it should not exist. And that's why I love the messaging, the healthy-ish. Like I almost wrote, yes, I almost wrote a, uh, like a, a nutrition book all about like just being a shalnatarian, be a gillitarian. Mm-hmm. I have a really good friend who she is vegan and she is vegan all the time, except for every once in a while, she has her husband cook her up a bloody steak and she enjoys that steak. And then she goes back like, why do we but people have get to ripped apart everything like that? Like, you know, I just, my I example, my ongoing example is like Jillian Harris, um, Canadian influencer decided she wanted to like do something for the environment. It was like in line with her values. She decided, but it was like this process of like learning to go vegan and she's not a perfect vegan. And she, you know, and people went after her. And I just thought like, this is bonkers. Like if you genuinely, you know, are, are all about animal welfare and the environment, like somebody being 90% vegan, you must believe is better than 0% vegan. Right. (laughs) And like, Absolutely. regardless, like, regard, like, and regardless of your health beliefs, like, like people get benefit from small shifts in the way that they eat. So anyway, I'm not, I'm not a proponent of veganism. I'm just sort of just this idea of someone putting out there something that they were working towards, that they were imperfect at, that they were finding a way to like work into their life in a sustainable, pleasurable, flexible way and getting ripped to fucking shreds for it. Yeah. Like yes. pick a and camp. We- and that's one of, to me, that is the biggest barrier at the moment. And I think that this extends from naturopathic medicine, medicine, diet culture, toxic aspects of wellness culture, all the way into, you know, anti-diet body positive. Like, I think that there's, it's so it's, it's like pick a camp and be in it and that's it. And, and like, it's tough because I think that like, that is not the actual messaging of anti-diet work. I don't think that's the message at all. I just think that's the public social media perception of it. That's the way, and not even perception. That's not the right word. That's the way it plays out on social Mm -hmm. media. Like I posted Mm -hmm. about, um, you know, intentional intuitive eating. And I was just trying to allude to this idea because a lot of people mistake intuitive eating. They think it means like just eat everything all the time, no matter what. And that's not what it means at all. But I was trying to sort of like, how do I start to put some words around this like end of the spectrum of intuitive eating where we're actually ready to circle back and start like tuning into our bodies and like saying no to certain things as well as yes to things. And what does discernment look like? And intention look like when we're being intuitive and, you know, right away, someone's like, this sounds like a diet to me. And so I was like, well, that's interesting because dieting by definition in my work has to do with manipulating your body, you know, trying to make Mm -hmm. your body weigh a certain amount, trying to make your, it could also look like trying to make your food look a very, very specific way, you know? Um, and we haven't talked about that at all. What we're talking about is just like, what does it look like to put some intention into your eating? But it's interesting that the moment, um, 
you bring that up for some people, like, again, there's this feeling of like, you're in this camp or that camp, and you're either getting it right or you're getting it wrong. And it feels heavy. And I think Mm -hmm. it feels hard. And I think that it pulls us even further away from that ability to tune into our own bodies and make a decision for ourselves about what's right for us. And I feel like Jill, you've probably always, uh, as I have been, and I'm, I'm not speaking for you. So, so let me know what you think, but I've always been in the gray. I have always been someone in naturopathic medicine. I'm like, I'm going to grab a little bit from that side and a little bit from this side. And it should be unique because we're all unique. It shouldn't be, you know, one camp or the other for some people that works for them in whatever we're talking about. And that's great, but you don't have to be black or white. You can pick you know, so I I often joke, like the people who that really does work for it's like, they're the ones that end up writing the books. You know what I mean? Because it's, and and sometimes it isn't even working for them and they don't realize it till like five years later when they write the second book about how, and I see that all the time, but I Uh do genuinely believe, I really do in my heart and soul, believe that there are people for whom more extreme things really do work. And Mm -hmm. they do end up writing the books because something so, um, clear and finite is attractive. Our brain loves that. Our bodies don't love it. Our lifestyles don't typically love it, which is why it falls apart, right? It falls apart because ultimately our body's like, this isn't friggin' working for me. I need a piece of bread or a sugar or something, or it falls apart because we can't put in the amount of time and effort in our lifestyle. Like it doesn't, it doesn't fit with the way we socialize or our culture or our, you know, so I do think that there are people for whom it works. I just think it's a really small percentage. And I think the majority of us live in this middle. And I, and I think, yes, I have totally been in the gray since the beginning. I was like working my way out of like a pretty deep orthorexia when I started naturopathic medicine, but there just wasn't the words for it at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I had that, you know, I was on guard a little bit with some of the food messaging because I was like, oof, this doesn't feel right to me. I can't go into that space. You know, like I just, it wasn't good for me, but there weren't, there weren't words for this gray area, you know, like I, I found, and this is going to be maybe a little controversial, but like I found Gwyneth Paltrow's goop blog in, I think she started it in 2012. She started it as a newsletter. And I know that there's like a lot of really wild stuff that she promotes on there and not everybody's on board and that's cool. But I just want to say that the reason I was attracted to it initially is I felt like she was one of the few people at that time. She wasn't very body positive, but she was one of the few people that was actually living in the gray. Like she talked about eating whole foods and having glasses of wine and French fries on the weekend. And like, I know that now there are some more people talking about this and more people being permissive, but I will say that at that time, it felt weird to be living in that space. Like I didn't feel like I fully fit in with the naturopathic medicine crew, but I didn't fully fit in with like medical friend crew or like people who weren't interested in health at all crew. And I was like somewhere in the middle And I just, I didn't feel like anyone was talking about it. And I feel like now we're more talking about it, but there's still like, it's still lacking. Like you still sort of have to pick a camp. And I want to like, I'm just like clapping my hands here, but let's like, just find that splattered messy middle um, where we're able to tune into our own bodies and do what's right for ourselves 
and allow that to be cyclical and not perfect and changeable. And anyway, and that's what my, it's, but creating the framework for that is difficult. And that's what my work has been for the past four or five years is like creating the framework for that because it's hard. It is. It's very hard. And it's, it gets lost in the messaging, right? Like our message of healthy-ish gets lost in this, in the middle because we're not picking a camp, but also I feel like individuals really want that. They really want to be able to trust their bodies. They just don't know how, because the messaging is so in either camp that you can't even have a second to tap into. What do I actually need? What do I actually want? What do I need to eat today to feel my best? How do I need to move my body and all of the things, right? In all of the ways. So yeah, I love what you're doing. Like shout it from the rooftops. That's it. That's it. And I think like, um, while the work is challenging and vague, I actually feel like what I've discovered is that there are these things. And again, it's hard to talk about it because it feels floofy or superficial, but I think that there are these like daily practices that look kind of, you know, superficial or woo woo or whatever. But I think there are some really tangible daily practices when I tune into each person that I work with that like helps them tap into this and helps them figure out and helps them um, stay connected to what makes them feel well. So I think that like, for me, it's been this process of creating a framework of like stripping away the external expectations. So you can actually tune into your body, finding a way, which I love what you're doing. Cause this is exactly it. Finding a way to tune into your body on a regular basis, except that our bodies are cyclical and changeable and not fixed. And then what are the tangible structures and systems and steps that you need to support you in that. Right. That yeah. look different than your best friend exactly. or anybody in your dance group or whatever. Or it anybody is. on Instagram. Right. Everybody on Instagram. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, social media. I know. Okay. So I've taken so much of your time. I want to do this really quick, like just like an ending sort of quick question, just like quick summary stuff. Um, so I just want to know really quickly, what is currently inspiring you motivating you, making you get, feel like just like really excited when it comes to your own health and wellness. Do you know what? I have always been motivated and inspired. This is going to sound cliche, maybe not, but my mom really inspires me. She like literally keeps me doing everything that I do. And so I have always admired her ability to give her ability to give with a smile on her face and warmth in her heart. And I watched her give at the expense of her own health growing up. And I think that's what's led me down this journey and this path. And I've watched her and she's sort of been my compass. What's missing? What is coming next? What do we need to add in to have a holistic view of health for the women that I'm working with? And she's now in her like mid late seventies and she has really taken back her power. And I really women in general, I want to stand in their power. And I think to do that is to tap into their intuitive nature, to be able to know what's right for them, regardless of what somebody else is doing that might be looking successful from the outside, if they know it's not right for them. And with so much messaging coming at us, I just keep my mom in mind. And then I go forward with what feels good for the population of women that I'm working with. Hence this emotional release process that has come up and into my practice. And I will be taking worldwide, which is really exciting finally be able to, to do that. Amazing. 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 Thanks mom. (laughs) Yeah. What? That's, I love that answer. What currently makes you just totally roll your eyes when it comes to health and wellness? (laughs) We kind of touched upon it. It's the polarizing views on social media that make me mental. Yeah. Like I can't eye roll enough 
and yeah, it like you're like pushes- gonna die from your eyes rolling so far back mm-hmm. in your head. Yeah. 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 I almost don't want to go on or be part of it. And then I also want to go on and shout from the rooftops. What I like about being in the gray zone, Mm -hmm. it doesn't seem like we can shout. I can shout loud enough yet, but I feel like I'm getting more of a voice. And that's why, again, I love what you're doing with healthy ish because you need to shout at Jill from the rooftops because women and any individuals need to understand that there's a place for them in that middle middle ground. Yeah. So yeah, it is hard. It is hard to find the words. It's hard to get it right. And I think that, um, yeah, we just have to keep talking about it and finding the words and like refining until we get it quite right. So that it's like, people are really understanding what this, that this middle ground is a place. It's not a consolation. It's that's why like the podcast, it's like 100% healthy ish because I'm like, you know, and we were sort of laughing, like with the business coach that I work with, she's like, can you be 100% healthy ish? I'm like, yeah, you can, because that's sort of, it's sort of a, it's kind of a joke because like, we're all looking to be like hundred percent, whatever, 110%. And it's like, this approach is really about not aiming for 110%. It's about like, finding the middle ground, but also I think the middle ground is a destination. I want people to aim to be 100% imperfectly approaching wellness in their life. You know, beautifully, beautifully said. Yeah. 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 That I makes totally me okay. <laughs> on that note, any current behaviors, beliefs, practices, things where you're like on the outside, this probably doesn't look healthy, but like, it really keeps me feeling energized or radiant or like tapped into your life in a way that feels really good. Yeah. I, I feel like this question is really vulnerable. puts me in this vulnerable position because, you know, as I come across maybe on social media or people, women who know me, I love to really dance and sing like to hardcore rap music. That's inappropriate. It's vulgar. <laughs> it is like racy. And it's, my husband says that he, like, if he sang those words to me, like I would divorce him. It's so it's so inappropriate, I feel like, but also I do it on a daily. It's loud. It's part of my practice that helps me tap, get into my body, helps me show up for women in the way that I want, helps me feel vital and radiant. And I know all the words. I know what songs for what mood I want to be in. I've always done that. And so I guess from the outside, it's funny because you're, no, you're like so soft, like even just like you can't see Shalna right now, but she's in like a soft like, you know, teal sweater and like her soft blonde hair. Like, I love it though. That's it. That's it. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's like dirty and inappropriate and I love it. Well, on Mm -hmm. that note, thank you, Shalna. Thank you for being here. That's all for me today. I don't have much more to share. Um, I'm working away on the healthiest starter guide for winter that should be available in the next week or two, as well as the full healthiest offers. So I'll just leave you with that. If you have a chance to rate and review the podcast, I'd be so appreciative. Um, and also if you just share, share with a couple people that you think might benefit from this, um, really makes a difference. Okay. Hope you have a great day.